This show is brought to you by the North Face. Now, the North Face have been my sponsors for the last eight or nine years, and I'm really proud to be involved with this fantastic outdoor brand. Now, they've been in the outdoor industry for over 50 years, and they are the premier supplier of authentic, innovative, and technologically advanced exploration apparel. For your footwear, equipment, accessories, they've got the best stuff. Now, their lightweight and weather-resistant flight series running gear is my absolute favorite. So, if if you're into trail running, if you're into desert running, if you're into just exploring our mountains, then these, this is the go-to gear. And it's designed to endure, engineered to help you through the heat, through heavy downpours, or whatever else comes your way so that you can run no matter what, every day, any weather, any terrain, and never stop exploring. If you'd like to check out their whole range, go to thenorthface.co.nz. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the podcast that gets deep into the psyche of extraordinary achievers across all genres, cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, their achievement, philosophies, and motivations. Join us in the quest to find out what makes the movers and shakers of our world tick and what gems and wisdom we can learn from them. Now, over to your host, Lisa Tamati. Well, hi, everybody. It's Lisa Tamati here from Pushing the Limits. It's wonderful to have you back. And if you're a new listener, welcome to the show. Um, today, I've got something, a really big treat in store for you. This is um, a very inspiring lady. But before I get on to her story, I just want to um, remind you guys, if you like the show, if you enjoy the content, I so, so appreciate it. If you go over onto iTunes, it's especially important for podcasters. Um, and give us a rating and review on there. Send me a nice message if you like it. That would be fantastic. And give us, of course, a five-star rating would be just awesome. Um, Because uh, the way it works is that uh, podcasts get exposure through their ratings. And that's the way a show sort of gets discovered and gets more people to listen. And, you know, we uh, love doing the show, love putting a whole lot of work into it and having um, valuable people give their valuable insights to you guys. So that would be a really big... um, I really, really appreciate that. Now, I'd also um, just want to uh, say a big ups to my mum today. Now, many of my listeners will know that um, my mum had an aneurysm two years ago and was left in a real bad, bad, severely brain-damaged state and had hardly any higher function. And, you know, we've been battling two years now on her rehabilitation journey, and I've just signed a book contract uh, deal um, for her comeback story because the, the doctors are saying it's a one in a million and I've never seen a recovery like this in, in someone of her age and today we hit a huge milestone we got her driver's license back so I'm just like woohoo we did it absolutely mum's just stoked with herself her and I have been working on towards this goal for about eight months now and nobody believed we could do it not even my brothers not even my father um, basically nobody believed us. When, when I said I was taking for the first time my mum for a driving lesson um, and my my brothers nearly had a fit at me because <laughs> she said she can't even drive a mobility scooter or sit up straight. How the hell is she going to drive? But we did it. We got there and today she got her medical clearance and we, we failed the first test and today we got there. <laughs> Two years of, on her comeback journey and that was a real milestone at the age of 76 to pass your licence again to be fully fledged uh, licence and independence that means. So congratulations mummy, I'm so proud of you. And I had to share that little story with everyone. Um, if anyone's interested in getting the book, uh, let me know. I'll put you on an email on this. It should be out within the next eight months or so. So I'll keep you posted as we go along. Now, over to today's show. I have a wonderful guest who's been a friend of mine now for a number of years, and we've had the privilege at Running Hot Coaching of, of coaching this wonderful, inspiring athlete. And her name is Nicola Benzi, known to me better as Gus. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Gus. How are you? Hi, mate. Yeah, how are you? You good? Good. So Gus is uh, an ultramarathon runner um, and a lady who's achieved some massive milestones. Uh, Gus, can you give us a little bit of a background how we met, the first time we met? Ah, yeah, it was on the eve of running a half marathon with my daughter <laughs> and I came to one of your speech and I was just flabbergasted by what you could put the human body through. And I sort of was, yeah, didn't know it then, but the seed was sowing. <laughs> the seed was sowing. And it was like for going for a half marathon, right? Which is a big, you know, a big race, a big event. Um, 
And then the next time when I saw you, what happened there? Tell us that story. Oh, so yes, I um, so I signed up. I followed your advice and didn't worry about details and signed up for Northburn 50. <laughs> yeah, 50 kilometre uh, race in the mountains, this is. A race that yeah, I so, co-founded yeah, in the so South not, Island. Not a little one. <laughs> yeah, not a little one. <laughs> but what happened there? Well, I overcame heaps of fears and got to the start line okay. and really excited and got in four Ks and rolled my ankle and I was out. <laughs> Pretty much, I hobbled out the last K, and that was me. That was my first ultra. <laughs> Five Ks in, disaster, DNF, <laughs> rolled ankle, sprained ankle, and it was really nicely yeah. sprained, wasn't it, Gus? It oh, was not it was a bad, one. yeah. Yeah, I was three weeks on crutch. I think it took me, well, it took me to the next year to get back, to get back properly. And even then, I was with uh, running, running poles to be able to move properly. Yep. So it was yeah. well and truly, uh, and I remember you uh, very clearly going over to you, and you were basically sobbing in the tent. Oh, I was. I was a mess. <laughs> you were like devastated because I mean, you just—it wasn't even like you got to the, you know, way into it, and then something had no. happened. As it happened at the very start. <laughs> On <laughs> and, the road, <laughs> and you've been like you'd been training your backside off to get to this mm. event, and you know, you put a heart and soul into it, and then something like this happens, and. And people, these things happen in life, you know, this is the sort of, you know. Now, you could have done one or two things. I remember giving you a big hug and giving you a massive pep talk and, you know, just talking you through it and telling you some of my disasters along the way and making you laugh. And, and um, you know, you, you've got two choices when something like that happens. You either go, well, that's it. I'm, not, I'm never doing this again. This was humiliating. This was stupid. And oh, I'm not made for this. Or you go, oh, right, I'm going to get back out there again. And that's what you did, eh, Gus? Yeah, I was not, not going to let this one walk over me. <laughs> and, the, and the rest is history because you have become uh, an absolute legend uh, in New Zealand ultra running. And, um, you know, tell us a little bit of your journey from that point forward after having that sprained ankle. Um, not long after that, I think you came from memory to one of my uh, women's retreats. I you? did. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was still, my ankle was still pretty sore and strapped up and met some of my, um, what I'd call my lifelong running friends there. Mm -hmm. Just actually spent the weekend with a couple of them and just learned heaps about looking after your body to be able to do this in an ongoing way mm. and um, you know, mobility and all the extra stuff that it takes to run these distances and, and turn up. Yeah, race after race, and and you had like see so, you know Neil, this was these were retreats that I did a, f a few years ago. I did a series of them for women, and then um, I had just put them on hold while Mum was sick, and we're going to get back into them again this year for for men and women. Um, and we had like uh, what was it about twenty twenty five ladies there up in this beautiful mountain retreat, and poor Neil. And Neil. <laughs> Poor, my business partner, Neil, at Running Hot, he, you know, he was the only bloke. Oh, and my husband. And Hazley. Yeah. <laughs> and these two are, you know, surrounded by 25 <laughs> chicks for the weekend. I'm sure, I'm sure they were terrified of us. But um, we had a ball. But we go went through the whole what it takes, the foundational stuff, technique, drills, mobility, strength yeah. workouts. And these are the pieces of the puzzle that are often left out of the equation when you go to, you know, I don't know, many, many coaches at least leave those parts out of the equation. Mindset as well was a big part of the thing. Um, and what, what I noticed with you, Gus, was that you just did whatever we said. Pretty much we said <laughs> jump, you said how high. And, yeah. and, and consequently, you know, you, like you never doubted, uh, you know, the programming. You never doubted what we said you needed to do. And you just kept kept sticking to the plan, you know, even when you had setbacks, even when you had problems along the way. And, you know, you're the most, you're my dream client. Like, you're the person that I, when I'm thinking of who's my, you know, who do I want to help in life, what do, you know, with our business, with our coaching, um, you know, who are the people that we want to, and you, your face is the first one that pops <laughs> up. <laughs> Well, you know, if you're going to pay the experts, you might as well listen to them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's hard sometimes when it goes sometimes against, uh, you know, uh, what you think is logic. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and Look, you want to push harder. My, my first 100K, and 
all I kept thinking was like, Neil and Lisa think I can do this. This is ridiculous. I can't do this. <laughs> I did it though. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you, you went back the following year and you did yeah. 100K. And this is not 100K on the road, man. This is 100K in the mountains. Yeah. Um, in the wind. Oh, and treacherous weather conditions and heat and freezing and, and all sorts. It's a really, really tough event. Um, and the thing is that... What, what I found, and I said this to mum today when she was getting it, after she got her licence, I said to her, you know, the most important thing that I can do as a coach, I think, is, is when you believe in your athlete or when you believe in the person that you're trying to, to guide and help and you say, look, I've been there, I've done it, and I know how to get you there, Put, you know, give me a hand, come on, let's go, and walk beside them. And when you when you do that, even when everyone says there's no way in hell Gus is ever going to run 100K, like there were 100 miles, that's ridiculous, you know. Um, and I'm sure there were naysayers in your friend's circle or your family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what sort of reactions did you get from people when you said you were going to, you know, be tackling these sort of crazy things? Oh, look, uh, nervous laughter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> blank looks as they tried to fathom the distance that I'm talking about. Yeah, just, yeah all sorts of, like, and why? Why would, why? Why would you want to do that? Which I haven't actually worked out a good answer for. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm still working on that one too. I think, yeah, I, I, I spent half a book trying to answer it, but it's still, yeah. it's a really, really hard one why. And I think people who ask why really don't get it. You know, it's like it's really hard to explain. Another yeah another runner or another athlete or someone who has achieved um, huge things in life or overcome massive obstacles gets it because they understand yeah. that strength comes from struggle. They understand that the more you can push to get through something and take, go outside your comfort zone, uh, the stronger you're going to be as a person um, and the more resilient you're going to be. So there's so many answers to that. But it's oh, hard and just learning about yourself. Like, like I, I know myself and understand myself so much better. Warts and all. Yeah. And it's like when you see your warts, it's like, oh, that's okay. I don't mind that wart. Yeah. That's part of who I am. It's this, yeah, the self acceptance is huge. Yeah. This, yeah. And, and the and the understanding that you know, like a few years ago, you would have, you know, you were heading to do a half marathon. I mean, <laughs> we're going to tell the people what you just did last month, and that was something. Absolutely massive. Not one I want to tackle anytime soon, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, it, you would never have thought, if I'd said to you back then, as that lady doing the first half marathon, that you're going to be running 300 plus Ks mm. in a couple of years. Um, you, what would you have said? You would have said, Oh, not, not a chance. Not a chance. Not a chance. You can't even not fathom it. Yeah. And, but. <laughs> Inch by inch as you go through this journey and you push a little further each time or quite a lot further each time, you're building up your horizon of what you are capable of. And, you know, Gus, are you a natural athlete? Are you like, you know, one of these one of these um, 20-year-old stick figure type people? Because people can't yeah. see you on this podcast. Yeah. Are you, are I, you one I'd of those? I'd love to be. With, <laughs> I'd love to have talent. <laughs> Unfortunately... I'm a middle-aged, slightly overweight, short <laughs> accountant. accountant. <laughs> yeah, that really doesn't fit your personality. I don't know how you're you an accountant, know. really. It, it, it still gets other, me. <laughs> the other thing is I've never, ever really done sports until uh, my 40s. Mm-hmm. It's, um, that's, so that's an I, entire lifetime of not doing sports. And yeah. then you've become an oh, ultramarathon, you know, legend, doing some of the toughest races in yeah. round. How, how does that, you know, I was like partying and drinking? <laughs> You're good at partying and drinking. <laughs> You're still probably good at that, but you know, you got to enjoy life. But yeah. like, did you have a like? Talk me through your childhood years and your your teenage years in regards to your sport and, and or not sport and. Um, how you saw yourself, the story you oh. told yourself about yourself. Oh, I didn't do sport. We did. We had to learn two instruments when we were kids. Oh. So there was no room for sport. And really? then so it just wasn't there. I didn't – sports wasn't in my horizon at all. Wow. And then when I was a young adult, I was into – I was a smoker and I went out partying and, 
it went off the rails quite a bit. Um, yeah, no, no sport. I mean, my exercise was walking home from the pub. There's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a common theme in the interviews that I've been doing lately. <laughs> I just had Charlie Ingo on, uh, what was it, last week or the week before? And, uh, of course, he was an alcoholic. Well, you're not an alcoholic, but he was an alcoholic and a drug addict. Um, and look what happened to him. He got out of that and he turned his life around and he became, uh, well, certainly one of the top ultramarathon runners ever to have walked the planet. So it's amazing how people can turn, turn themselves around, eh? Yeah. But did, well, you, did you believe that you, know, like, did you feel like you had any talent, ability to be athletic or did you feel like, oh, I'm just not an athlete and never will be? Yeah. I still don't, Lisa. <laughs> We're still working on that one, Gus, aren't we? We have arguments about that. Yeah, you still yeah, come and no, tell I'm me, I'm not a real runner. A, yeah, I'm not a real runner. <laughs> oh, the amount of times I've heard that from you and I'm like, Arr! that is just not, you know, that is just, yeah. you know, what the hell's a real runner then? If you're I not? actually think I've put that to rest with uh, my last adventure. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful to hear because, and again, yeah, that's the development, you know, even like, how old are you now, may I ask? I've just turned 50. Hey, mate, I'm just about there too. <laughs> uh, and I've just outed myself. No, no, this is brilliant because, you know, there's a thousand other, you know, 40-plus women out there or 50-plus women going, really? Oh, my God, maybe there's a chance for me to become a superhero too. And, um, you know, I've got a friend, Molly Sheridan. You probably know Molly. Uh, oh, who I yeah. absolutely adore. She's She started at 48 and she's now 61. Mm and um, also had a disaster in her first marathon and injuries and so on. And the doctor told her to go home, you're too old, you silly woman, what are you doing trying to run at 48? She told me to get off, and then she went and ran Death Valley, you know, I don't know, what, five times or something, and then the Himalayas and the Marathon de Sables, and, um, you know, last one we did together was a 222K race over the Himalayas. Um, and now she's 61 and she's still doing it, you know, really? like, um, and she looks like 21. She's just absolutely <laughs> amazing and stunning. Oh, but, the sport does keep us young. Oh, it does. It does. Yeah. I mean, not in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you look the like, you look like shit warmed up. Let's be honest. For the time you're coming across and you stink like hell and you're very unglamorous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the overall anti-aging effect of it is... Yeah is huge uh, you know like I, I do swear that you get younger looking every time I see you uh, and I think and fitter looking and, and it takes its time though doesn't it Gus mm. you don't oh, just definitely. roll out Take, of bed one day yes. and you've lost 10 kilos because you've been for a run <laughs> I wish yeah I'm still waiting on that day but, <laughs> but then, um, Molly's, Molly's story about the doctor telling her not to do it because I had that before I'd, I'd been told by a neurologist that I'd never be able to exercise again what? so give that, give that up give that thought a up a neurologist so, and why did he tell you this what did you have as an ailment I had a, I had a bike accident and had a head injury oh, yeah. and so yeah, it took me two years to get back to full time work and when I met you, it was four years afterwards, and I yep. was just holding down some exercise then. So to take on a um, to take on the ultra was I kept it sort of pretty quiet because I'd been told I shouldn't be doing things like that. That's so ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, I've race. I, I'm flicking in the bird. Oh so, yeah, totally. <laughs> doesn't that that's the driving force? Like, like yeah. I mean, you'll know very personally then what it's like to have a brain injury. Um, and you know, like, you know, I harp on about my mum's brain injury story, but it really like the fatigue is phenomenal in the beginning. Like it's absolutely phenomenal and you cannot push past that brain fatigue. I had to learn that very, very quickly because as an athlete, I was like, well, just push through it. We'll just push through it. And then I realized that no, her brain actually needed the rest recovery, then a tiny bit of focus and then rest and recovery. Um, and, and that was a hard lesson to learn. However, and now, two years later, we're still doing that rhythm, and she still has some fatigue, and I can't, um, you know, she can't concentrate with brain exercises for very long, like doing academic or intellectual sort of puzzles or, or things like that for very long because she gets really fatigued. Um, but the thing is, what telling a neurologist telling you you can't exercise is just ridiculous mm. because the more you do it, and yes, you have to take 
you know, more breaks and you have to recover and you have to sleep more and you have to do all the rest of it more. But you can come back and you can get there. And uh, mm. like I still have times where I get it wrong. Yeah. And then I yeah. have to go yeah, hunker down and spend lots of time with my eyes closed and yeah. lying down. Yeah. But it, it doesn't mean your life is over. It just means you have to do things slightly different. Yeah, just give your body to be, time. To be more aware and, and uh. yeah, watch out for signs. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, I think it's very hard. Uh, brain injuries, um, and we're getting a bit off topic, but it's something that so many people are affected by as well. Mm. Um, it is, is just understanding your, your own, like you say, your own limitations, taking the time out when you need the time out. And it's very, it's a horrible thing because people can't see brain injury, you know, like, <laughs> and they can't, under, yeah, they can't understand why you can't stand loud cafes for example or you can't deal with five people talking in a group or you um you know all of these little or too much light or all of these little things that the you know the normal brain doesn't even register as being a problem um can be so tiring for someone who's had a brain injury but you know things can come right slowly with time and the, and the more that you push the boundaries just a little bit each day bit further out bit further out bit further um the, the you know the, the recovery can be so much more than if you i mean never exercising for a start you'd probably be you know put on huge weight cardiovascular problems heart disease diabetes that's diabetes. the common yeah. that's the it, common it, road you know when you don't exercise um and so when people tell you like molly a story you know she went too hard out going from zero into marathon training at 48 and got a, a, a stress fracture in a foot, which is by no means a major thing. I mean, you've got to take a few weeks off and you've got to get in the pool is what she did and built up his strength and then got back into it. But the doctor's opinion was, hmm, you're too old for this. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, go back and knit on the couch or something. He said to her something really rude. And um, she's now written a book and that doctor's in that book. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, you know, and and man, she's done thousands and thousands yeah. of miles. And the average rate age of the ultra runners is actually really high. Oh yeah, it suits, yeah. suits older people. Yeah, because we've got more um, guts and grit, yeah. and a bit of life experience, more resilience, and and therefore, yeah, you, you you get the odd young youngster coming through now who's really tough as nails and and athletic as as well and got all those abilities but you know you see some amazing people who have huge obstacles I mean you know gosh I've seen people with you know no legs running through Death Valley and blind mm. athletes and you know all sorts of people who have you know I've seen stroke victims heart attack victims people with hip replacements and back surgeries doing ultras you know and I'm sure every single one of them have got a story where they were told not to do this <laughs> <laughs> and yeah to a certain point you've got to you know like not do things too early and um you know rehabilitate correctly and so on but to say blanket you can never run again mm. um that's you know um, yeah it stirred me on that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> so let's go and talk about so let's talk about the big one that you did last year first which was the north Dream oh. 100 Tell me about, like, this is what's 100 miles, people, not 100 yeah. case. This was 100 yeah. miler. 100 miles. This is a race that I co-founded with Tom Pickney and um, Terry Davis in the South Island in Cromwell, just outside Cromwell over the North Bend Station. They've just had it this weekend mm -hmm. again. And it's, um, when, I, when I set out to design a race, I wanted actually a sister race for Badwater, that, uh, through you know, which is the one in Death Valley that I'd done. And I was talking with a race director there, and he was setting up a series of races around the world, and I wanted this one to be a sister race for that. But for that, it had to be 135 miles. And the station that we ended up doing it on, the, the Northburn Station, we couldn't quite get that distance out. It was just not quite big enough. It's huge, but it wasn't big enough to, to you know, we'd have to go around in circles. So it ended up being only, only 100 miler. Yeah. You're probably very happy that I never got to. Not, um, no, I'd have to do a longer one. Yeah, maybe we'll still get there with 135 miler. Um, but this race, I wanted it to be the toughest in the Southern Hemisphere. And it is. In fact, oh, 
when when Tom Pickney, you know, who's the owner of the station, first started designing the race with me, and he, I mean, if it had been left to Tom, it would have been even way worse. Because <laughs> Tom wanted to go cross country the whole way, and I was going, no, bro, that you know, we're still got to be able to run parts of it, you know, <laughs> and not be scrambling up cliffs. He because he wanted rappelling and climbing up cliffs, and I was going, no, 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 mate, we're just, you know, we'll still want to be on the ground. <laughs> um, so you can be thankful that I was not as mean as Tom was. Um, but it's it's a really tough race, say. Eh? So talk us through yeah. the three loops there. Uh, well, the first loop, which, yeah, nice fresh legs. I um, travelled with another running hot um, coachee and um, had a really good time. We talked our way around pretty much, <laughs> holding back because I knew I had a big day ahead of me, a big couple of days. So that was that was pretty yeah. uneventful. Went through, you know, it was cold, it was fun, it was, but I still wanted to, I was feeling my body and going, I actually don't think I've got a hundred mile in me today. I think I might pull out at fifty. Yeah. And I still, you know, didn't wow. think I was going to do it. Wow. And um, got into got into the fifty k mark and had some hot spots in my feet. Looked at them. Had a hot cup of soup. Changed my shoes and headed out before I remembered that I was going to pull out. And getting <laughs> up the death climb. And I think I had I had had my first asthma attack walking oh. up the death climb. So that sort of slowed things down for a little bit. But then. Yeah, that settled down and off I was again. And uh, really hot, and it was still and hot. So you probably haven't had days. Have you seen days like that down here, Lisa? It's, yeah, yep. You see, you see both, eh? Hey? You see the extremes. Yeah. So you have, you can have thirty odd degrees down the bottom, and it's dry, and it's like really sucking the moisture out of your body. And then up on the top, it can be a hundred mile an hour winds with them and sleep coming yeah. sideways at you. And like you, you know, some of the smaller girls just. It's just get to get tipped over. over, like absolutely yeah. smashed over. <laughs> Not able to, you know, people couldn't open the door, you know, from cars, so the crew in, in cars up there, and unable to get out of the cars and stuff like that because the wind yeah. is just horrific up there, right? Yeah. Well, no wind that year. You were lucky. That was a big one. It was a big plus. Real hot, yeah. Yeah. So I had a plan for that, but that's okay. Just carried on. My um, got a bit of gastric distress going up there. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, so I'm getting food and water in, so I thought I'd just pack a barley sugar in my cheek and see how that went. And over the next few hours, my system started turning around again. I could start getting water in, and then started, it started getting dark, and I got got to nibble again. So I sort of I got over that. So and, you, um, yeah, I mean, you're talking like this just as there. It's all very simple and easy, you know. So you faced <laughs> an asthma attack for starters. Yeah. <laughs> What's it like being an asthmatic runner? Uh, it's blimmin' annoying, actually. It is, it's it? like to go out for a run and not have your lungs. <laughs> so you could, my range of speed is huge. So if my lungs are good, I can run really fast and free and it's fun. Mm. If I get asthma, like my lungs constrict and my drop, speed drops right back and it's a struggle. Yeah. And then if I have an actual attack, it's just, I've just got to stop and, and ca- calmly grab my inhaler. Like the last thing you want to do is have a panic attack on top of an asthma attack yeah exactly but it's a, a little scary if you, you've got to keep it under control but yeah so like i'm pretty lucky i don't i can still carry on so i got my asthma under control it just took a few minutes standing there and having some ventolin and then heading off just at a slower pace mm-hmm. but uh, yeah my overall i'd say it's just frustrating because you can't do what you want to do yeah your body's letting you down really i, I get yeah. I, I have exactly the same problem some days i can fly and other days i'm just like a turtle waiting through peanut butter <laughs> yeah. can't and, just, and the other thing is because you can't breathe your heart starts pumping yeah. faster which is, so you lose, yeah, you well, lose your athletic ability, or the little athletic ability you have. Yeah, and that can be, you know, that can be the fatal for an ultra marathon because your heart rate's up. You know, if it's if it's up like just ten to fifteen beats over a period of hours, you know, which it, which it is when you're on ventolin too, um, anyway, because of the the, the, the drug, um, that has a massive effect uh, on your, you know, the lactic acid build up in your body and, mm. and all the rest of it because you, you're, you're virtually redlining the whole way, you know. Mm. Um, so you fatigue a lot faster, you use up all your glycogen stores a lot faster, everything, you know, goes goes backwards. So you, you overcame that, that asthma attack and then you had tummy troubles, yeah, which are very, very common on ultramarathons as well. Yeah, but, it, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I sort of had, I had solutions for everything, which is why I could keep going. Mm. 
you know, sort of, you know, parking, having that barley sugar there and parking it in my cheek and when, like nothing was getting absorbed, but that gave me the, the glucose well, it does. It goes, to be able to get yeah. some fluid in. And, yeah, it goes straight so, through yeah. your tongue, yeah, through your cheek, yeah, into your blood yeah. system, yep. And, so, and this is yeah. the, preparation is a really important piece in the puzzle, isn't it? And that's why having like, a, you know, good coaches and good, oh, good yeah. systems and good preparation and knowing what to expect and having um, contingency plans and knowing yeah. what nutrition works for your body. And Oh, you've got to just be prepared for anything yeah. and, and react to it. And it's how you solve that problem when you're out there that gets you through. Yeah. So talk us through the next stage. You, you, you're you now into the second 50K loop. So for people who haven't, you know, don't know Northburn, you go out on a 50K loop, you come back down into base camp, and psychologically yep. that's really hard. So you've been to the top of this mountain, you come back down yep. again, you go through base camp, and then you have to go back up again on yep. another loop, different area yep. of the of the station, yep. and then you have to come back down again, and then you have to go back up again the third time, and the third one's a 60K loop. Yeah. And the, the 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 psychological effect of that is that you're you're heading back and down into safety to yeah. this tent and you know you're going downhill and you, and then you get to the tent and, and you are so exhausted you're fatigued you you know you're 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 already at your wits end at fifty and then <laughs> yeah. and then oh, you've got hundred and ten to go <laughs> you forgot to pull out okay you're a bit weird. Yeah. Um, but the psychological, but like we lose a lot of athletes at the base camp because they oh, just you, can't you face it. Yeah, you get in there and it's nice and warm. And Terry made me a hot, sweet cup of coffee, and yeah, it was all yeah, like yeah, around other people, and you're out of the wind. It was really nice. And you but, don't want um, to go back out, eh? Yeah, yeah. Well, I said to Terry, I didn't know if I was going to leave or not, and he goes, "Oh, yeah, bigger men than you don't." <laughs> and um, so, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> but I was, yeah. also, I was really interested in seeing the third loop. I hadn't seen it before. <laughs> so it was sort of like, yeah, I was quite excited about getting out there in that loop. And then the sun came up and um, just had this. So we're heading uphill again. And I was just, I had Steve, my partner, with me pacing now. Yeah. And um, just oh, it was, yeah, it was so neat being yeah. out there. The sun was coming out. It was the beginning of a new day. It was warming up and I. Uh, I was heading out through an area I hadn't been before. And I love those hills. They're amazing hills. They are beautiful. And uh, just, yeah, just tipped over climbing up to Mount Horn again. And um, So when you, you know, what I find often is athletes, you know, not, 80 or 90% of them, if, they're gonna, if, they, if they break, they'll break in the night. Yeah. And if they can somehow struggle through to the morning, yeah, then they come right. Yeah, that pre-dawn stage was yeah. pretty hard. Yeah. It was yep. getting cold, you know, pain radiating up through your feet. It was, yeah, it was, I just had my, I had my head down and I was heading back to transition and I didn't know if I'd leave again. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't think, I don't think I can do it. And it's it, 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 You know, so you have this constant battle going on in your head, eh? Yeah. I mean, I have this constant battle when I'm doing yeah. anything like this. Of the devil and the angel, I call them. You know, the one that's saying that you you can do it, and the other one's saying, yeah. And then you start bargaining you with yourself. Well, if I, if I just get to you know the hundred k, I'll I'll be happy with that. You know, I'll be. And you start bargaining and 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 trying to find a way out. Um, well, the other thing is just um, not looking. This is I got this from you. Is only look at what you've got, what you're doing. Then don't look at the whole race. Yeah, because whenever size. I looked at the whole race, that's when I wanted to pull out. Yeah. yeah, I just looked at what I was doing in that moment. I was, I was fine. I was quite happy. Yeah, but started looking big picture. That was when I was like, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I'm not fit enough. Um, yeah, all the self doubt came back. But then it was like, oh, I just have to climb up to Mount Horn. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I just have to climb up to TW. And I was like, okay, now I just have to drop down and do the do the uh, loop of despair, which is called a loop of despair for a reason. Yeah, yeah. So loop of despair is when I had my second asthma attack. Oh gosh. And, yeah, it was stinking hot, and I, I don't normally get asthma in the heat. And I just had to take ten steps. So I'd take ten steps, and then take ten breaths, and yep. And um, it's yeah, wait for my lungs to recover, and then take another ten steps, and and I was looking up at where I thought TW was, which was I was heading back up to, which I was miles out. It was way higher than what I thought. Yeah. And looking up there and going, I can't do it. I can't make the cutoffs. Like, yeah, there's no way. And I thought, well, I can't pull out till I get to TW. So I just carried 
carry on. So I did 10 steps and 10 breaths became 20 steps and 10 breaths and 50 steps and 10 breaths. And wow. next minute, I was in TW and I'd forgotten I was going to pull out and I was getting my cup of soup and heading out to do the water race <laughs> before I knew it. <laughs> and, so, and this is yeah. the inch by inch philosophy, isn't it? It's, it's the bite size. You know, how do you eat an elephant? You know, a bite at yeah. a time, as the saying goes. And I, and I think it's one of the greatest lessons of life. If you can not look down, you know, don't look at the 100 miles or the 50 miles or mm. whatever you've got left, but look at just getting to the very next waypoint, whether that's yeah. a checkpoint or a, or a power pole in front of you, um, and, and getting yourself psychologically through to there because, mm. like you say, by the time you get there, often you forget. You, you're like, you've come right mm. again. Yeah. Um, and it's just not giving up in, in those deep, dark moments. and. Uh, you know, it's, it's really easy to say, and it's bloody hard to do, um, especially when you're in the pitch black night and it's sleeting wow. and, and dangerous and lowly and there's nobody out there and you're scared <laughs> shitless and, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in your head and you're fearful. And, of course, when you've been going nonstop for 30, 40 hours, your emotions are completely up the wops, you know, like your hormones are up the wops, everything's up the wops. And so you you're very you're very fragile and you're you're in a fragile state, you know, if somebody looks at you wrong, you start crying and or mm-hmm. you know, someone says something to you and you start fighting with them and or you know, like you're just not in a reasonable state of affairs. <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> It's a great place to get yourself into, though, because you learn so much about who the heck you are in those moments. Um, yeah. Um, so carry on. We, we we got up to TW, which is the top point, and then you've only yeah. you got out to the water race, which is a really difficult part of the oh, race. Yeah, that's real hard. That sort of that that totally annihilated my what was left of my um, feet. Yeah. It just really, it was really hard work. So and now you're another... in pain from your feet. Your lungs are screwed. Your stomach's. Mm. Stuff. Oh yeah! By this stage, I couldn't really talk. I couldn't laugh because that would set me into an asthma attack. Yeah, my mouth would close. The sun was coming down. I felt it was the second day, second that night, and um, start. Yeah. So I was starting to feel like I was getting affected by the sun. Yeah, and I was thinking, God, I'm, I'm not in a very good shape here. And then, yes, dropped down, dropped down into the valley a bit and out of the sun, and that helped me. And I sort of, yeah, sort of just got me through quite a dark spot. And then turned the corner and I realised how much I had to climb again just to get back up to TW to go down again. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, there's so much climbing in that race. So yeah, there's, there's 10,000 yeah. metres. Like, we're talking yeah. from sea level to top of Everest and then another couple of thousand metres. So it's yeah. Mount Taranaki on top of Mount Everest oh, in one two, go. Two, two Everest, no, three Everest. Yeah, 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 it is absolutely massive. And so there's a lot of walking in this race too because it's very like, single track and really rough, um, you know. And people have, a, you know, who don't do ultras have a misconception that, you know, you're just going to be running the whole time, um, yeah. which may be true on a road ultra, but generally yeah. in, in something like this is a massive, even the top, top, top guys in the world, unless they're Killian Jornet, they have to, you have to walk part, parts of it. Yeah. Well, he's another If you ran, you'd, you'd be a taken off on a stretcher yeah yeah you'd be out with 20 30 k's yeah. <laughs> even the top <laughs> even the top guys you know so um it's a matter of hanging in there for grim death for a long period of time um but then you know like you got there so tell us about the last 10 k's coming into oh. to camp with you with you with your man yeah that was the worst 10 k's <laughs> so it didn't get so, any easier um, the, the, got the 20 k's to go mark and I was like yay I'm on the way home I can do 20 k's easy uh, <laughs> famous yeah. last words <laughs> yeah god you know were a hard, that was hard that was yeah like uh, I'd, I'd drop I dropped the ball here um, I ha- wasn't hydrating properly I had stopped eating it was hard to eat so yeah. I'd taken my foot off the accelerator and wasn't putting the food in um because you've got to that. learn to maintain your body is what you learn oh, in these sort yeah. of survival situations where you, you, you've got to be aware. You can't just mong out and zombie out and not take heed every 10 minutes of mm. have I eaten, have I hydrated, have I been to the toilet in the last couple of hours, am I, you know, what what's going on with my body and checking in. And you you go into a very monged out state for the want of a better description, mm. almost, or, you know, you can hallucinate, you can be quiet out of it. And then you forget to eat and you forget to drink and then, hello, bang, crash. Yeah. 
So yeah, I was getting a bit, and then um, there's this uh, last little uphill before. Just you, you get down, you can see the lights of Cromwell. You know you're heading to the finish line. You're excited. There's only 10 k's to go, and then you turn a corner and head up. And yeah, it's a <laughs> okay. really steep up that just keeps every corner is more up. And I was actually, it was bad planning on my part. I hadn't looked at this last 10 k's. I saw you went up, but I didn't really see to what extent. Mm. And um, you just go up, 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 up. And it was a, that was probably the first time the ends of my mouth turned down and I got a, Terry's name and swear words were used <laughs> in the same sentence. <laughs> you start hating then, the race director, yeah. Yeah, and then, I had a, and then it was a direct down. It was a really steep down. I was, just, I was like, oh, this is just unnecessary, unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that saying before from a guy. He's on the video. That was just unnecessary. <laughs> Yeah, there would have been a few expletives wrapped around them as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But then, um, and then my yeah, my, my torch light started going. But because I'd stopped, dropped my hydration and my nutrition, I wasn't thinking. Like, no, really, I should have just stopped. Yeah, it's only five k's to go. Put fresh batteries in. Put some food in my mouth, and um, yeah, I would have finished a lot better. But I was just. So you're out of it. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. actually completely out of it. You need actually like um, you know, someone else to take control and like you know when yeah. you're crewing. For people, or, or you've got someone pacing, um, hopefully they're, they're keeping an eye on you. But often the pacers are naked too after another yeah. after their own 60k. <laughs> yes, yes, he, he was. He just wanted to finish himself. Yeah, but, I bet. Yeah, he'd had, <laughs> he was yeah. Like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? You know, don't underestimate pacing and crewing. You know, like. Oh, what, no, hard work. Oh, yeah. it is. I um, We're heading over to. Uh, Def Alley again this year to, to crew for another one of our running hot coaching athletes, Gregor, who's qualified for the Badwater Ultramarathon after three years of hard work working with him, and he's finally qualified, and, and I'm going to go over and be crew chief. And actually, I'm I'm actually just quite nervous about that because yeah. I know I've run the race a couple of times, but crewing for someone is a big, massive responsibility because you've got mm. your, their life in your hands, basically, because if you get it wrong, they can die, and especially in Death Valley with the heat being as mm. it is, and it might sound dramatic, but... You know, no, I, I'd rather run that run than I, I have supported my partner this weekend. Yeah, and I'd rather run than be the responsible one. Yeah, it's pretty hard, eh, to keep an eye on them yeah. and, and to talk to them and tell them the right things at the right time yeah. and get a, get abused and uh, yeah. <laughs> get snotted on and <laughs> sweated on and uh, it's yeah. not a glamorous job. Um, um, no. But how did it go this weekend, Northburn? It oh, was... watch it! Being a supporter and and not yeah. Oh, oh I got FOMO. You yeah, got FOMO. To be out there, yeah. <laughs> it seemed wrong that I was down the bottom and I wanted to be out there doing it. But... You're definitely hooked. You're definitely addicted. But um, oh, let... totally. I'm back next year to do the miler again. Oh but my gosh! How much I suffered. I'm going back for more. <laughs> You're going to go and do another one. This is the um, you know definition of insanity. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Um, but let's talk through the big one that you just completed last month, and this is yeah. why you weren't running this month, because you, you're still recovering, and, you, and your coaches have said you are not allowed to be doing this yeah. one. Um, <laughs> so you just did what? Tell us about that race. So the New Zealand's first uh, multi-day stage race. And it's so a toughie, it's, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 300, well, it was pitched at 316 kilometres from Mount Oraki to yep. Rome. Yep. And over seven days, but um, they were slightly out with their distance. Three thirty or so. <laughs> oh, so you'd get to oh yeah, we're only doing fifty-seven k's today or fifty-three k's today, and it would end up being fifty-seven, which is Ooh. when you're tired, when you've oh, already yeah. done three k's, adding another four k's to the end is uh, yeah. Uh, you you can be swearing challenge. at the race directors. Don't ever get your kilometres wrong, race directors. You'd be no, shocked. Yeah. yeah, that that Home added always, always going to be hard. Yeah. Multi-day stage races are usually about 250 kilometres. Yeah, yeah. So this was massively so more. This was this was longer again. So it was another 10 k's per day, which after doing 50 k's, is, it makes it difficult. It's oh hard. yeah, it's a, like yeah. every kilometre that's added on after you know like big mileage, like 250 say for a week. Every kilometre after that is like twice. Mm. what it would be normally because you're just so slow and so knackered that every mm. kilometre hurts. And, like, you know, I've been in races where, like, the last 10Ks and you think, ah, oh, I'm home and hose, I've only got 10Ks to go. And, oh, <laughs> those 10Ks might have taken you, yeah, like, six hours to get through yeah. or something because you're just totally gone, you know. 
Um, mm. So it's, it's never over until you, you actually cross the finish line. So this is 330 k's it ended up being. Um, yeah. There was two uh, versions. There was a supported race and an unsupported. Uh, so explain that difference. So um, un- I did the unsupported, and, mm-hmm. and um, that meant I had to carry everything for the week. So wow. all of my food, all of my sleeping gear, um, all of my clothes that I wanted, everything, my medical kit, everything I wanted for that week, it set hot and cold water yep. and, and a tent. So they supplied the tent. And supported, they had to, they had to have all that stuff, but they didn't have to carry, they only had to carry what they needed for the day. Yeah. And the rest of it was taken from camp to camp for them. So highly preferable. <laughs> yeah, that was probably the smart choice to do that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a you know, like I know it's tougher to do the the unsupported version, but there is an argument. I think you know, like the quality of the running goes down when you're doing the uns- when you're doing the unsupported as opposed to the yeah. supported. Um, yeah. So it really is what what um, you know. Do you want the hardest nails one, or do you want to have a quality run? Mm. You know, we can actually move better yeah. um you're not not so so hindered by a back backpack well, the other, other thing with the supporters is their food um options were so much more yeah so because we were carrying everything everything had to every be, you're starving you're starving let's be honest you know you've got yeah. your two thousand calories well, yeah. a day you, you're ex, yeah. you're expending yeah. in excess yeah. of eight to ten thousand calories a day so you're in a deficit of six thousand odd a day mm. <laughs> that's sort and of then, the reality and then you start as the week progresses you don't want the food you do have and you don't have a choice because that's the only food you yeah. have yeah and system starts like I at the end of the breakfast that I had, my system started rejecting it. Yep. And I sat there, and it would take me a good hour to get as much breakfast in as possible without losing it. So yeah. I just quietly eat it and hope it stays down. And when it looked like it would stay down no more, I'd stop eating. <laughs> Those are all the joys, <laughs> eh? <laughs> People are wondering why. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. You're a plane. <laughs> So and and this race um, presented also a lot of you know challenging terrain. What was the terrain like? Um, yeah, it was actually. Look, tell you what, the North Bend set me up for the hills. Oh, as bet, soon yeah. as I got to the hills, I took off. Yeah, and just loved it. And I think when I talked to any of the competitors that had done North Bend, they uh, they were the same. Because they were used um, to but, massive hills. Yeah, a lot of a lot of gravel roads, which just shredded our feet, yep. and a lot of um, hard bike track. Yep. And, um, yeah, your feet would just get absolutely shredded. And then um, you'd head across farmland. It was just like walking on marshmallows. Your feet were so swollen oh, and sore. Yeah. It was, yeah. So, um, but the scenery was to die for. Oh. And I think the beauty of being with internationals, because, you know, this is a home race for me. Yeah. And the internationals were just absolutely gobsmacked by the scenery. And it oh, made awesome. me appreciate it. Yeah, just look around and see how amazing it was. And, you know, even though I've driven down the... Um, you know, the road from Tekapo to Twizel, I don't know how, so many times, and I just sort of drift off because it's so boring. Now I run it, I see it differently. Yeah. It's just such just a beautiful do. part of the country. And, and, and Michael Sandry, he was the first time race director, you know, how did he go? <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't done one of these before, so I can't compare them, but couldn't fault it. Oh, His organisation skills were amazing. I would, yeah, like if I didn't know I wouldn't have said it was the first time. That was just brilliant. Just really well organised. Yeah. I I, I, I take my hat off to them because I know as a race director, you know, I've been a race director in my life and I know what the responsibility is. And it's a big, Mm. massive, unthankful job, really. And um, I I take my hat off to him what he he pulled off and and to put New Zealand on the map with a really international quality multi-day stage race. Um, he showcased New Zealand beautifully. Brilliant. Yeah. 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 We got a helicopter ride, a jet boat ride. We had oh. smoked salmon on crackers. We had cheese and wine. We had a wine tasting. Before and after, day. not on the. <laughs> <laughs> no, on. On this was during the race. Oh, okay. But you were you were unsupported. You you were. You were yeah, so but they'd, um, yeah, they'd, so we turned this corner around Twizel yeah. and went down this most beautiful lake. And he was one of the volunteers standing with. Smoked salmon on crackers, and oh, I was really? you were allowed to have it. Oh man! Oh no! And I was going, oh, I can't have it. I'm, I'm unsupported. She goes, yeah. no, no, you're, everyone's allowed it. Oh, so, so it, was, it was part of the, yeah, part, the exception. Yeah. I remember in the yeah. marathon de sables, we, uh, you know, way back in the day, in Morocco, running, and, and this was unsupported, and we, you know, you, you've got nothing for the week. And then one day, 
they just decided to give everybody a can of Coke. Oh, my God. Um, it was just the best can of Coke I've ever had. Everyone was lining up for like two hours to get their, their oh, can of Coke. That um, smoked salmon was like that. We just talked about it all day. Oh, yeah. Was just a such a treat. And, and this is one of the other sides I think that it brings out is the gratitude. Like you're so much grateful for a bed. You're grateful for a shower. You're grateful that you're not in pain, that you've got, mm. you know, when your feet heal up again, you'll be like, oh, my gosh, I, I can walk without pain when the muscles recover. Mm. You, you, you start to really be thankful for everything that you have in life. And, and the other great thing I think that you, you, you make friendships beyond what you would uh -huh. ever yeah, ever have a normal life, eh? Yeah, so from, tell us from about that. From strangers to family overnight. Yeah, just yeah, these are people who will be in my life the rest of my life. Yeah, it's yeah, just because um, you just oh, went to hell and back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do, eh? Because it's just yeah. like wow, we we went yeah. to some deep, dark, desperate places yeah. together. We 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 struggled along, and you help oh, each yeah. other, and the camaraderie. Yeah, like just because you know you gotta you got you know what was it? can't even remember how many hours, but you're looking at 10 hours out on the road a day. Every day, and yeah. But distract yourself. So you share your life stories mm. and you just get you get really close. Really, there's a bond is formed in the, in the blood, sweat and tears that is just unbreakable. That is actually a beautiful quote. Did you know that? <laughs> a bond is formed in the breaks. Uh, what did you say? The blood, sweat and tears. A bond yeah. is formed. That, 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 that's an incredible quote. You've got to um, write that one to me later. Send it to me. Oh, oh, oh I've forgotten it. I've forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to listen to our thing. Oh, look, Gus, you've been an absolute legend. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. I really appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners will be inspired by your 50-year-old, middle-aged, by your self-explanation, um, uh, short self. <laughs> I think you're just an absolute legend and we've loved having you in, in our Running Hot coaching team um, for the last three or four years and um, we cannot wait to see what you come up with next. We know that you're going to back to North Bend. Yeah. Well, I've got to talk to you about what next. Oh, yeah. oh well, I'm all ears, mate. I'm all ears. I, I can't wait I to hear. I'm, I'm on the lookout for the next adventure. Oh, well, hey, I can, do, I can give you some good recommendations. Good. <laughs> and ones to avoid. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what I want. <laughs> oh, you, you're capable. You now know, at the age of yeah. 50, you've just done your biggest thing ever. And I think, like, that's that's a really amazing fact that at the age of 50 is your, so far, your pinnacle of yeah. your athletic oh, uh, endeavours. I'm just starting. I'm a babe in the woods. You are. You are. <laughs> and this is the beautiful thing, you know. Like, you started, what, at 47, 40, you know. Yeah. Um, what a what a journey in three years, going from someone who was, you know, prior smoking, you know, drinking too much, partying too much, never done sport mm. in your life, to being this incredible athlete. I just think it's a fantastic <laughs> story, and I can't wait to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Next there. challenge. <laughs> uh, hey, look, Gus, I, I appreciate your time today, and I wish uh, your hubby uh, has just been out there, or your partner's just been out on the North Bourne course over the weekend, yeah. had a rough time, so you better go and look after him and make him yeah. some chicken soup and tell him to give me a ring. We'll get him We're back on the horse. Beer this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs some definite, a, a beer or two would be, I would prescribe that for recovery. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Thanks for your time, Lisa. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz.